And thank you, Miss Samantha. And good morning, everybody. And let's see here. Let me get my microphone cooperate here. And good morning to you that's logging into Facebook and those that are logging into YouTube later on uh, this afternoon. Good to have everybody here with us. Uh, good to have everyone in the room. Uh, we Ernie tells me we've got 77 here today, so that's a great crowd. So give yourselves a round of applause for, for your attendance. All right, good to have, uh, have everybody here. Let's see here. This morning's Children's Church. Looks like uh, David got hit. Anyone 10 and under wants to go over for Children's Church, we encourage you to head on over for that. And our hymn of invitation this morning is 358, Where He Leads. We'll use that as our hymn of invitation. So if you would, you want to mark that in your hymnal, certainly. Good to be here. Always a, a privilege to share in God's Word with you. Uh, and uh, especially on such a beautiful day as we've had this uh, past week, really. Spring has come, and jonquils are in full bloom, busting out, and we have that hope of a, of a, a new uh, spring coming ahead. Of course, one thing that's marred the beauty of, of spring for us as we see these events unfold around the world, uh, on the evening news, on your cell phones, wherever you get your news, uh, especially in light of the fact that we're just seeing the end of the tunnel on COVID. And then now we have this mess in Ukraine and Russian president throwing around the nuclear word to intimidate people, uh, our leaders, especially around the world. Seems like tragedy, tragedies all around us with uh, accidents and death and, and things going on. And uh, sometimes it can make us just think and say, well, what in the world can I do? What am I to do? in all of this, in the midst of all of this. Well, good news for you this morning, and that's what I hope to, to encourage everybody and remind everybody that God has a plan. God has a plan, and I hope that you've been praying, just as I asked last week for the, the people of Ukraine, the, the church in Ukraine, and, and Russia's president, Vladimir Putin. I've seen, and maybe some of you have saw the, the post on Facebook as well from Brother Doug Martin, uh, he reposted a, a post from the president of KCU. Apparently there are several alumni uh, from KCU in Ukraine right now serving as missionaries. And they're requesting prayer from brothers and sisters in Christ. But you know what the number one thing that they listed as their prayer request was? That God would use this tragedy for his glory. And that's what we need to be praying for, and that's what I want us to be reminded of this morning, is that all things going on around us, even though sometimes we're in the midst of the storm, we get caught up in all that's going on, God can use every situation for his glory. And that's what we need to remember. I want us to be reminded, and I don't say these things to try to scare anybody. I don't want you to come to the Lord because Rob scared you. I want you to come to the Lord because you believe what the Bible says is true. I want you to come to the Lord because the Holy Spirit has put on your heart the love that Jesus displayed for us and the love that God has for you. And because of that, your heart is broken and you want to come in repentance. That's why I want you to come to the Lord. Not because Rob scared me. 
But we may or may not realize, and it may or may not be a fact, that what we are witnessing going on in the world today could be part of God's plan preceding the return of Jesus Christ. Now there are some of you that are sitting here that are listening that, that will hear that and say, nah, I really don't think that's the case, Rob. And there's going to be some of you that's going to hear this statement and they're going to say, well, I believe it's possible but just didn't really, don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime. And then there are some of us here this morning or watching or that will watch It's going to say, yes, Rob, we know it's true and I look forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you this morning, out of love, if you're a Christian, that's the attitude that we all should have. We all should know and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is returning to this earth someday. And it could be very soon, and we should be looking forward to that day that Jesus returns to get us out of this world of sin to get us out of this world of chaos, to get us out of this world where a madman can go over into a neighboring country and indiscriminately kill innocent people because he feels threatened out of paranoia. I just want us to realize that we could be seeing the beginning of the time that Jesus returns. And I want us to take that seriously, folks. I don't think we as Christians have taken that point seriously for the past several years, I should say decades. We've always continued to figure it was going to be the next generation or future generations. I'm sure in Bethlehem the, the morning or the night that Jesus Christ was born and the Messiah came on, those scholars were thinking future generations, another generation beyond. They never realized that it was then that Christ came. And I don't want us, I don't want anyone to be caught, as the scriptures would say, unaware. And I certainly don't want anyone caught unprepared for when Christ does return. And that's why I have this message for us this morning. It's not new for you to hear me say that God has a plan for all Christians. But in, a, in the light of these events that we've been talking about, at some point, we have to ask ourselves, how can God use me? How, what in the world is it that, that, that I can do? Or is there anything that I can do? Well, I want you to understand something. I want you to be encouraged by this statement. We are not powerless. As Christians, we are not powerless in the situations that we find ourselves in. In fact, we have the most awesome power ever known to mankind, and it's that... that God that created all of things, everything that ever was, ever will be, and ever shall be in the future. We have that power of God through the Holy Spirit and the power of love and mercy through Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want to say this. God made you on purpose for his purpose. Now that says, I think, for a purpose. And it is a purpose, but it is his purpose. God made you on purpose for His purpose. I sometimes think we get so wrapped up in life that we forget about that fact. That I was created for a purpose by God. And I want you, and this will sound a little bit corny to some of you, but, but maybe you'll understand why I want you to, to reinforce this statement. I want you, when you go home today, walk by a mirror, I want you to stop and look in the mirror and say to yourself, 
God made you for a purpose. His purpose. And maybe even throughout the whole week you might want to do that just to remind yourself that you have a purpose in God's plan. Now it may not be that your purpose is a missionary to Ukraine. Not everyone is. But God certainly has a purpose for you in the world that we are placed in today. Because we are not powerless in what we do. I want you to turn with me over to chapter uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Because here's what I want us to understand this morning. If this world ever needed Christians serving out their purpose, it's today. This world is a world that we see increasingly without hope. When you watch the interviews of the people that are uh, the Ukrainian, the, those Ukrainian mothers down in those bomb shelters holding their kids, their faces are without hope. Have you ever noticed that? The despair, the sheer utter hopelessness that they have on their face. And here's something, a news flash for us. People have been walking around since creation with that same look on their face after Adam without hope because they don't know God, they don't know Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying that, that they're not going to be concerned, they're not going to be scared for their safety and their safety of their children, but they know if they have Jesus Christ as their Savior, they know if they're one of God's children, He will provide for them one way or another. Paul is writing to Timothy, kind of, you've heard me say in the past that you would maybe want to get those one last things that you had the opportunity to tell somebody. And that's what we see Paul doing here with Timothy. My Bible even has it captioned, maybe some of yours similarly, says advice on personal conduct and relationships. And that's what Paul is writing to Timothy about as a Christian. And that is the thing that we can answer that question with. What am I to do whenever we see ourselves in the kind of world that we live in today? We can follow the, the instructions or the advice that Paul left to, to Timothy here in this passage of scriptures. So we're going to read this. If you don't have your Bibles with you this morning, we have it on the screen. But I encourage you to get a Bible out. Get a Bible out. I want you in, in your Bible. I want you putting your finger across that scripture as we read it and go over this. I want us to get familiar again with our Bibles. I want our fingers to know what it feels like to touch and read and follow along when we read in God's Word. Paul writes to Timothy and says this starting in verse 14. He said, of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the, of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness and their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, that the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. 
But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that are called on the Lord out of the pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender stripes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. And if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. This little passage of scripture teaches us how to be part, be active in God's purpose in our lives. And we're just going to look at this verse by verse and take this apart and apply it to our lives today. Beginning in verse 14, he's telling us here to be actually from 14 down to uh, 21. He's telling us to be true to the Bible and true to what God's word says. True to the Bible and true to what God's word says. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit. He's telling Timothy that he's supposed to remind them of these things. He's telling me as a reader and a, and a minister to remind you of the same things. These same things as he's writing to Timothy, I should be doing each and every time in some form or fashion that I stand in this pulpit. To remind us that we shouldn't pursue uh, words that have no profit. But oftentimes we do that diligent. Uh, how do we do that? How do we first do that? Truths of the Bible. That's profitable stuff. Is Bible study is profitable. Now, reading other material is enjoyable. Sometimes it's absolutely necessary if you're a student. Okay? So in that case, it can be useful. But God's word is the only thing that you'll read that's profitable. Something that will add value to your life, add value to your knowledge. He goes on in verse 15, and what's he say? Study to show yourself approved. Why does he say that? Why does he tell us to study to show ourselves approved? Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed because of what? We can rightly divide the word of truth. There's the profitability in knowing and reading and studying your Bible. Now, as I said, for a student, it's useful to study and learn whatever subject you're in so that you can make a good grade. And sometimes people like to engage in reading in books, authors, and there's nothing wrong with those things. As long as we understand the only profitable thing that we can do is to show ourselves approved unto God by studying his word. And it will prepare us to be called a workman 
someone that is skilled in that craft is, is how I look at that word. We can become skilled in God's word, knowing it. We would not need to be ashamed. We would be able to rightly divide the truth. He goes on and, and warns Timothy. He says, don't engage in arguments. Now here he's talking about more so over genealogy or the law. And that was an important thing to the Jew at the time. You know, they, they held a lot of stock in, in their genealogy. And they could tell you who they descended from. And they put great stock in being able to say, oh, I haven't broken any of the commandments in the law. But we know that Jesus said that they were never written on the heart. And it didn't matter from who you had descended because we all descend from the same. We can't base our righteousness on, on a relative, in other words. That would be like one of us saying, well, my great-great-grandfather was a preacher and he was a righteous man, so I'm good to go. Because I fall right in that line, that lineage. That would be like us saying even today, oh, I've never broken any of the Ten Commandments, so I'm in good shape. And that doesn't mean a thing. Because we cannot break the Ten Commandments and still never have a relationship with God, still never know Jesus Christ is our Savior. Have you ever thought about that? There are lots of people walking around out in our community right this very minute that have never broken a Ten Commandment and are going to go to hell just the same because they don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Do we understand that? It's not just about blindly following some rules. It's that we've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He has to know us. And we have to know Him. And we see that as what Paul is trying to relate to Timothy. Here's a couple that decided to stray. And in verses 17 and 18. And that their word will eat as thus a canker. Now maybe some of your versions say cancer. Eat as a cancer. Of who Hymenius and Philetus, whom concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. They didn't believe in the resurrection. Paul moved them on down the road. We have people today that are doing things that's very similar. Maybe they're not saying that they don't believe in the resurrection. But maybe they're saying things about salvation. Maybe they're saying things about what's acceptable in God's eyes. Maybe they're trying to convince people to be more inclusive, more accepting to sin. What's any different? It is no different. It is no different. And that's what he's warning us about. That's what he's warning us as ministers that preach the gospel. And that's what he's warning us as people that receive the gospel in our hearing. That there will be skillful people, skillful men, skillful women that will come with words that sound reasonable, but they are false doctrine. Not to be carried away by those things. Not to accept those things. Because if I were to tell you that it was okay to do something contrary to God's, God's will, who do you think you're going to stand before in judgment someday? You're not going to stand before me, I assure you. We are all going to stand before God. And we will be judged on the truth of his word. We will be judged on the truth of the teachings of Jesus Christ. Not the, not the advice of leaders. Not the misinstruction of false teachers. Not those hopeful who that they can change the word of God to suit their own individual desires. But by the truth of God's word and that alone. And that's what Paul is trying to encourage Timothy about. 
that we have to stand and we have to stand firm in the truth of God's word. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, I want us to be reminded of this. In the world that we live in today, that is the number one thing that we can do to help this world in this situation. Is to stand firm in the truth of Jesus Christ and God's word unwavering with love. With love. Because the world has plenty of hate. The world has plenty of anger. The world has plenty of animosity. None of those things you will see described to be suitable for a Christian. And let's continue to look at what Paul encourages Timothy with here. Nevertheless, he says, verse 19, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in the great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. God knows his own. He knows. Just like Wednesday night, for those of you that tuned in or those that you were here Wednesday night, what was Jesus saying? I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and what else? My sheep hear my voice and know me, right? And that's what we're, we're seeing him reminding Timothy of, that the foundation... Nothing that man can do will break the foundation that God has set. We think about and worry about, and, and folks, I'm not happy of the prospect of being part of World War III any more than anybody is, and the horrors that would come along with that. But even in the face of the most terrible thing that we could ever imagine happening on this earth by us does not break or shake the foundation that God has laid through Jesus Christ. He knows of who is in his flock. He knows who's in his flock. We don't fool God, not for a single minute. Now, you, I, you can, I can come in here and try to... I, I would know the things that to say and to do and the actions to take that I could probably fool people. And you could too. You could probably... Put on a pretty good show for people, and they would think, well, that person's really a really good Christian. But God knows the heart. God's not going to judge people because they were able to put on a good show for other people. God's going to judge us by what is in our heart and how that we have responded to the truths of his word. So we should not be fooled. We cannot run around this earth acting any way we want, talking any way we want, doing whatever we want, thinking that we're okay under the, great, uh, under the umbrella of God's grace. There has to be a change. God knows his own. Because we have to remember, there was people that supposed to have known uh, Jesus. If we recall, they said, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in thy name and do many great and wonderful works? And what did Jesus say to them? said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. So there's going to be people that's going around putting on a good show out in the world today, make you think and believe by their words, actions, and deeds that they have a relationship with Christ. And guess what? Jesus doesn't know your name. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to warn you. I don't want to see you in damnation in hell for eternity. I personally believe our time on this earth is short. 
I'm not trying to scare you. I don't want you to go to hell. I'm not trying to scare you. I want you to be aware. Just like Paul wanted Timothy to be aware. If a man therefore what? Purge himself, verse 21, from these. What's he talking about? Iniquity. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. There is no room for sin in a Christian's life. Am I saying that you're perfect? No, because I'm not perfect. I'll never be perfect. But I have to drive out sin out of my life and work to keep it driven out each and every day. Now, I'm not trying to put myself up on a pedestal. I want you to understand something. I'm a human being. I struggle with sin every day. Some of you folks out there may have it locked up where you don't deal with it, okay? I have trouble with it. I have to fight it every day. And as you're going to see here in a minute on this last slide, I should have put it in here. I want us to realize something else. God has a plan for your life. And you know who else has a plan for your life? Satan has a plan for your life. Don't think about it that way, do you? God has a plan. The enemy has a plan. And what we better pray and strive for is the wisdom to be able to distinguish which one is which. So we have to fight and struggle and kick sin out of our lives every morning when we wake up and those feet hit the floor. I do. And I look forward to, to picking them feet back up off the floor in the bed at night because I know I can't do nothing, no sin while I'm sleeping. But in the meantime, it's a struggle because Satan is out there doing his job every day. He's working to send you to hell every minute of every day. Do you realize that? People, oh, well, Rob, we're so far advanced with our knowledge and technology and the things that we're able to do. Surely this myth of the devil, it's not a myth, folks, but that's what the world would have you think. It's a myth. The devil is alive, he's well, and he's working to send people to hell every minute of every day of every year and will until Jesus Christ comes and returns and casts him into the bottomless pit and stops his work on this earth. I'm just preaching the truth of the scripture to you. Do you understand that? Verse 22, what's he say? Flee also youthful lusts. Follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace. With who? With them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. What's he calling for us to do? That's a call to be together, assembled together. Brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what that's calling for us to do. To be together as brothers and sisters in Christ that share those same attributes. Because what happens? What happens is this. Is we start spending more time in the world and less time in a church or less time in a, an assembly of fellowship and we start looking more and are influenced more by the world than we are by people of God. We don't like to think about that, do we? We don't like to think about, well, if I remove myself from the influence of this group, this group's going to influence me. Well, all I can say is this. Make sure whatever group you're with, 
sounds like this. Righteousness, faith, charity, peace. Use that as your guide with people you hang with. Is that what they're striving for? Charity being love, some of your translations will say. I think I've got all excited here this morning and way outrun my notes on my preaching. I have. And that's all right. Pure fellowship, folks. With the Lord first, God, He desires us to fellowship with Him, commune with Him, but also with brothers and sisters. So we can encourage each other, so we can help strengthen one another to face what we're going to face when we hit the floor Monday morning. Retired or working or student, it doesn't matter what you do. When you hit the floor tomorrow morning, know that the devil has a plan for you and he's going to try his best to trip you up tomorrow. He's doing it now, today. We had to change how we do our Facebook broadcasting. Because every Sunday, whenever we would sing our songs, they would cut our, our service. Just cut right off. Yep. Dan tried his best to keep up with me. So I figure, okay, we'll just play their little games. We'll just preach. We'll just broadcast the preaching. I wonder how long it'll be before they stop broadcasting the preaching because I'm preaching the truth. The devil is out there attacking us each and every day, Sundays included, folks. Understand that. Verse 22 also tells us that we should have a clean heart and fellowship. Flee those useful lusts. Pursue righteousness, faithfulness, love, and peace with those who call upon the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. That's where God sees, is in the heart of man. Verse 23. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strife. Don't argue about things that are not of God. They're not of God. What's he say? Foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strifes. How much foolish and unlearned fighting, strife, have we witnessed around this world in the past two, three years? Now, I'm not talking about being American. I'm not talking about being a citizen of any other country in this world. And don't question my patriotism. But I, first and foremost, want to be a citizen of heaven. This place is temporary. I'm going to live here, I guess the average is now up to about 76 years of age for a male in America. 76, 78 is the average. So that's what I expect, average. I'm going to spend eternity someplace. And you are too. You understand what I'm saying? You're going to spend an eternity someplace and the choice is completely up to you. I've seen that. Uh, on, a, on a post the other day said everybody's going to spend eternity somewhere it's location, location, location kind of using an old uh, real estate pitch and that location's up to you that's simple avoid foolish and unlearned questions that they cause strifes, they cause fights, they cause division in people have a discerning mind he tells us to do. 
Verse 24, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient. In meekness, verse 25. Instructing those that oppose themselves. You think that it's not important what kind of attitude that we have with people. Just think about this yourself. If you're trying to learn something that you don't understand, which way do you respond better? Somebody being aggressive, screaming how wrong you are, shouting in your ear, telling you you're less than something because you don't understand it, or someone that sits down with patience and caring and quietly gives you the instructions and says, look, this is how it is. This is what the Word says. I think we'd all respond a little better to what Paul is telling Timothy to do. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those who oppose themselves. And what's the result? Look at the rest of it. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. I guess that old saying, you catch more, is a bad one in this particular, but it's only one of them. You catch more flies with what? Then you do what? Exactly. Same, same concept. We will, we will be able to spread the gospel to be Jesus more when we are gentle than when we are bitter. Agree with me? One person does, anyway. What's the result of this? Verse 26. That they may recover themselves out of the snare of who? Who's got people snared? Who are taken captive by him at whose will? His will. Do you see the job of the devil? His job is to snare you any way he can at his will. And that's the effect that by our quiet, meek, humble, loving, compassionate teaching and serving other people, we can help release somebody from a snare because we got the only, only hope that they can ever have for being released from the snare of the devil, which is lies. And that's the truth of God. That's it, folks. There is no plan B. There is no alternative to Jesus Christ for eternal life. Do we understand that? There is no clause, no exception that says you, can, you can't get into heaven because you have this, uh, what's the word that they use? Exemption. I read nothing about an exemption, a Jesus exemption, an obedience exemption in the scriptures. You know why we don't read about it? Because it does not exist is why we don't read about it. We have to have a humble spirit and teach people the truth. And there's going to be some people, folks, listen to me. There's going to be some people that will never accept the truth of God's word. Not a thing on this earth we can do except continue to preach the truth of God's word. Because there's going to be some people that just will not receive it. They are so caught up in the snare of the devil. They are so caught up in the lust of this life. They are so caught up 
in the desires of this world that their ears are deaf to the truth and they do that to their detriment and it will send them forever eternally to hell. I want us to look at one last thing that Paul wrote to the church at Rome. Chapter 6, verse 12. And this is for us as Christians, okay? Because I want us all to strive to be a useful Christian in the kingdom of God. Part of that plan, an example to those that are caught in the snare of the devil, but listen to what he says here. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Folks, if you, the snare that the devil's setting for you, you have to fight it every day. Don't let it, don't let it snare you. And that's what he's saying. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Don't let it do it. You're not fooling nobody but yourself what God's word says. Remember, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice and I know my own. And that's what we see. So ask yourself, do you allow sin to rule in your life, in your spirit? Do you chase after the world and its approval? Do you put the things of God behind the things that the world says that you should pursue? A lot of tough questions I'm, I'm asking you this morning, but I'm not doing it to, for you to walk out of here with your heads hung down low. I'm doing it to send you out of here with hope this morning because God loves every person in this room. God loves every person that's going to see this video. God has a plan for every one of you, and he has the desire that you would know salvation. That's why he sent Jesus Christ here. I want you to walk out of here with the hope and love that to know that the creator of all the earth loves you. And that you have hope for a future. It doesn't matter what any world leader does, any action that's taken, whether we're paying $20 a gallon for gasoline or whether they're giving it out for free. It doesn't change the fact that God has made a way for you to heaven and he loves you. And that's the important thing. That's the important thing because we're only going to spend a very short amount of time here on this place. We're going to spend eternity someplace. You've got to be a willing participant. You've got to be, a, it's vital, folks. It's always been vital. Maybe it's wrong of me to say, especially today, because it's always been vital that we as Christians act as Christians in our schools, in our homes, in our workplaces, when we go on vacation, when whatever we do on the weekends. It is paramount that we are a Christian at all times in everything that we engage in. Because that's the only way people's going to have any hope. Remember this. Remember this. There is no plan B. There is no exemptions. And we are to be the example of Christ. We are to be Christ to people. You've got to be a willing participant, though. And by that, I mean you have to hear the gospel. And I hope you've heard it this morning. And that changes your heart and you believe the gospel. There's a difference in hearing it and believing it. There's plenty of people that's heard it and never believed it. But once you hear it and once it makes a desire for you to change inside your heart, you believe it. And that belief will lead you to the repentance of sin. And that repentance will drive you, 
drive you. You will have no choice. I remember it. I had no choice but to come forward and confess Jesus Christ as my Savior. Once I believed it, once I knew and understood the truth, I had no other choice but to come and confess it, and that led me to be buried with him in baptism. That's where I was received the forgiveness of my sins. And you will too. That's what the Bible says. And it says, also you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that will help you make this walk day by day, dodging those snares of the devil. And if we walk faithful until Christ returns, then we're going to hear those words, enter in thou good and faithful servant into thy reward. And that's the hope that we have that the world does not have. Now maybe, maybe, I hope, I've inspired even just one person this morning that's already a Christian to realize, you know what? I've been walking around as hopeless as the world. Here I've got all the hope that man could ever have. Repent. Repent. God loves you just the same. Change the way you look and view things. Change the way you operate. Change the way you, you do things so that it is according to what Paul wrote to Timothy. Not what Rob told you. What Paul wrote to Timothy. Conduct yourselves in a manner that is worthy of our calling as Christians. We're going to sing this hymn of invitation. Where he leads you. Where is God leading you this morning? Where is God leading you this morning? He's leading everyone somewhere. Some's going to balk and turn and run. Some of you are going to sit right there in your pew as we sing this hymn of invitation, and you're going to say, God, forgive me. I made a commitment, and I backed out on it. Help me get back in the right shape. And that's great. And then there is somebody in this room this morning that needs Jesus Christ as her Savior. You have a decision to make today. You can either accept that grace and love and forgiveness, or you can walk right back out the door without hope, just like you walked in. I know that's harsh, sounding. And I don't mean it to be harsh. I don't want not a single person that I know to be condemned to hell. And that's the only way I know to prevent it is to tell you the truth. We're going to sing this hymn of invitation. If you have a decision, would you come? Come as we sing.